everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called Bia that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from bad cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Lilith Karadanian, to our show today. Lilith is the founder and CEO of Elsie Cosmetics, an award-winning cosmetics brand and Essentials, a simplified clean skincare brand. While working a nine to five job, Lilith pursued her love for makeup as a side hustle, taking on clients before and after work and even during lunch breaks. Despite having a passion and a skill for makeup, Lilith never took it seriously as a career and never thought it could be a full-time thing. Lilith faced a turning point when she was laid off from her quote-unquote dream job at Disney. It was at this point she finally decided to follow her passion and opened up her own makeup studio, quickly establishing it as the top makeup school in Los Angeles within a year. She then took a financial risk and launched her own cosmetics line, Elsie Cosmetics. Despite a slow start, her brand gained traction when her foundation product went viral and earned her the prestigious Cosmopolitan Foundation of the Year Award in 2016, which completely changed the trajectory of her now multi-million dollar brand. Now Elsie Cosmetics has a whole host of products, and most recently, Lilith launched her skincare line, Essentials, both of which she self-funded to this day. We talked to Lilith about how she created awareness with her brand and the power of social media throughout the years. She also opens up about her relationship with social media, why she decided to completely delete her personal account that had over a million followers, and how it impacted her business, which you'll be very surprised about. We also talk about how she thought about risk throughout the journey when it came to side hustles and starting her business, especially as a primary breadwinner in her family. Lilith also never thought she'd be an entrepreneur and through her journey shares why every single person has the ability to go after their biggest goals and dreams no matter what your situation is. Lilith also talks about her life as a mom of three and how she continues to manage and be the lead in both of her businesses and so much more. Welcome to the show, Lilith. It's such a an honor to have you join us today. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for thinking of me. Of course. Well, I'm very much inspired by your journey. And before we go into your story, I actually want to talk to you about grit. I know you've been in this game. You've been an entrepreneur for you know over a decade now. You've put in so many hours, so much grit, so much hard work. I'd love to get your perspective around what you think really separates people who give up versus those who really push through and have the grit to keep on going. Yeah, I think there are several parts to that answer. For me, the number one thing is passion. I'm very passionate about my industry. Industry, um, why I started it, how it made people feel, how it developed into the next phase in my career, but also, you know, your commitment, your why, you know, so it's, it's your passion and your why, like I'm very passionate in beauty and makeup, but what does makeup do for me? Like I saw what it did to my customers and my clients and I saw the way it made them feel. And then I wanted to create products that they can do this at home and feel good when they apply it. So it was like, for me, it was the passion and the why. It was 100% what encouraged me 
to like move forward in this industry. I love it. And we'll dig into your entrepreneurship journey in a little bit. But you know what you said, you didn't even know you were going to start a business with one day, but you were just following your passion, what lights you up your why. And I feel like so many milestones in your career and life have kind of continued to blossom in that way. So I just think that's such a good reminder for all of us is, you know, if you want to be in this game of entrepreneurship, it's already tough. So really having that why and that mission is your superpower. And I actually want to start with your upbringing. You know, people look at you, Lilith, and they're like, gosh, she's a successful serial entrepreneur. She probably had this easy life, but it definitely hasn't been that way at all. So can you talk more about, you know, specifically maybe your parents, your upbringing, and how you think it really helped shape the foundation of the woman that you are today? It's far from, it's far from that. You know, my parents were immigrants. We were immigrants. I was three years old when I came. My parents came with, I believe, $300 in their pocket. We grew up, you know, in the low income household. Everything was budgeted. We never got what we wanted, even though they did their best. You know, if every penny was counted for every single day, every single week. And I and I always talk about this, you know, like my my favorite dessert was dessert, I say, it's packaged from Hostess, these Swiss rolls. And I remember my dad would buy it, you know, uh, to treat us. And it was like the happiest day for me because I loved it so much, but we couldn't always afford it. I believe it was a dollar something at the time. But even that had to be counted for until today. Swiss rolls is like this thing in my head where I'm like, oh, I love this so much because it, I have nostalgia with that little cheap dessert, you know, but that's how much we couldn't afford things. And I grew up in that household. But I also saw how hardworking my parents were. My mom was a hairstylist, and she would take us with her home to home cutting people's hairs. And we would just sit there on the sofa waiting for her to cut hair for $10. So I saw the hustle in my mom, my dad still hustles till today, you know, he wakes mm -hmm. up 430 in the morning, every single morning, he is very passionate about what he does, which is also why he doesn't want to retire. He's a welder, shop foreman, actually. And so I grew up in this type of household. And when it came to the time where I started making money, it wasn't what you would think. It wasn't, oh my God, I'm making money now. I'm going to buy this for myself. I'm going to buy that for the first, I want to say, decade of that career from when I was about 17, starting to make money till about 27. I was, you know, not married. I was at my parents' home and I was helping support my family. So it was the bills. It was, you know, everything that they they needed to do the groceries, it was helping with rent, it was, you know, uh, paying for my own car, paying for my sister's car at some point. And I just really, really helped with that. And when I did have the extra income, you know, I would take my family on vacations and spend quality time with them and try to pay them back in some way of some sort to make them happy. So it was not, you know, and then eventually, you know, you your business starts growing, I started the brand. And it was just when I did make money it was going back into the business. So you know, it's been far from a lavish lifestyle for a very long time. Gosh, I just have goosebumps hearing that. That's just so beautiful how you continue to support your family, how that's just been so fundamental in who you are. And you know, I also grew up with immigrant parents. I'm sure this resonates with you and maybe people who are listening too. They came here and they made all the risks and they've hustled, you know, to get create a better life for their children. Did they have any expectations of you when it came to creating your own career and the professional path that you took? Yes, um, their expectation was, you know, just get a degree. You know, when I told my mom I wanted to do makeup, she was like, no, because she was a hairstylist. And she saw what how hard it was like physical labor. And she was like, I just want you to become someone with a paper and a pen. It was like the saying she had in Armenia. So the expectation was, you know, you better make sure you graduate college. And my, my sister didn't go to college. You know, she got married really young. And then it was like, okay, we want you to go to college. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll do the college, but I'm still going to do makeup, you know, 
know, so it was me proving to them that, you know, I will get my degree if this is what makes you happy, you know, and also like, you know, for my self growth, but I am going to be doing makeup. And I want to show you that I can make a career out of makeup. And once I was able to prove that, which was basically booking out a year in advance with my customers, they're like, okay, maybe this is something that you were meant to do. And then and then they were supportive once I was able to prove that. You know, it's so interesting, Lilla, about your journey. You know, I've had so many beauty founders on the podcast and you hear the story of, you know, I grew up playing with my mom's makeup and I've always loved it. And I know makeup and this passion for you came a little bit later in your life. So can you maybe walk through what got you into makeup and what got you really interested in this world? Um, yeah, I was, you know, people always ask me that. Were you like, do you remember playing with your mom's makeup? And and I don't ever remember playing with her makeup. I don't ever remember playing with makeup at all. It was just a, a fun thing a friend and I decided to do. Like, in, you know, when you graduate between high school and college, you have like summer break. She was like, let's go take makeup classes. And I was like, okay. So we just went for fun. But by nature, I am a perfectionist in anything that I do. I also had a little bit of OCD growing up. So I feel like that in 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 a sense helped me perfect my makeup because it just had to be perfect in everything that I did. So although I didn't know how to do it professionally in my class, I was slow and I was meticulate. And um my teacher pulled me aside at the end of the course. She was like, you need to be do that doing this. You need to make a career out of this. And um and I, I did really well in the classes. And then my mom does hair. So she was like, hey, I'll give you clients. So I guess in a sense with her doing hair, my dad was like an artist and a welder. He would design, you know, gates and all these things. So I guess creativity was in me and I never knew it. So once I started practicing it, I realized how much I loved it. And it, you know, it became like an art form for me. So even though I was doing school and I was doing all the things I knew I had to do as far as the American dream goes, go to college, get your career, get into corporate structure. You know, I was in finance at Disney. You know, I did what I needed to do, but it didn't fulfill me. On my spare time, I was blogging about makeup. And, you know, at the at the time, I didn't even know blogging was a thing. It was a career. I just did it for fun. And I had like 50,000 views a month on my blog. And I had no idea until a friend was like, let me see your analytics. So it was just there was interest there. And I realized that, that there's viewers and watchers and that Facebook was new. But, you know, I, I love showing my art. And I and then it was perceived and taken in well. And it just kind of flourished. Yeah. And like you said earlier, it was one of those things where like, I never really planned the next step. It just kind of my my art just kind of opened doors for me and you know and i and i grasped the opportunities when i saw it i was just afraid yeah i i love this because you know it's interesting if your friend never asked you to go to that class your life would have gone Lily, a completely different way and what i i have no idea what i'd be doing and I, I really didn't know what i wanted to do in my life like everyone in high school had their careers figured out and i was like i have no idea what i want to do with my life yeah so it's crazy. I was a sociology undergrad because I was like, oh, it's generic. Once I'm done, I'll figure out what to do after I learn how to work with people. And it actually worked out because doing makeup and working with people and customers is all about social skills. And so I feel like it definitely helped. Like it just things the way it worked out, it worked out in God's plan and favor. But 
none of it was like my plan. <laughs> Crazy. I love this because I think, you know, there's so many people that reach out to me directly on like Instagram or emails and they're like, I'm just trying to figure out my passion. I'm so inspired by all these women on your podcast. And I always say, cause this helped me in my life, like dabble into different things. Cause you never know like what you'll like unless you try it. Yeah. And I think that's an yeah. example of your life. Like you never thought about makeup, but you did. And you're like, Oh wow. I have this side that I didn't even know existed. Like I never thought I'd be a, I'd have a podcast ever like at all. And you know, now I love it. It's my own creative outlet, which is great. But you yeah. know, what's interesting is that you were doing really well with makeup and you mentioned like you were dabbling in, you, you still went to college you had so many different careers actually before you kind of hit your dream job, which is like finance at Disney. Tell me more about that, because I also think sometimes women, you know, I was there like they think that they have to go down a specific path. But sometimes like all these different experiences and in different industries can really like set you up for success even later in life. So I'd love to hear kind of like your life before Disney. Yeah, life before Disney, I was all over the place. Sometimes when I think about it, I was like, I really had no idea what I was doing. I worked in a makeup store for like, actually, like maybe two or three years, Amy's Beauty Center, and they now are the only ones that carry my products. I have a very good relationship with them. But working at the makeup store helped me so much because try to like just get a job that I can just kind of have fun with and do on the side while I'm going to school. And the hours worked out. But you know, you have all these women coming in asking for all this um, makeup and you know, I'm looking for a red lipstick. I'm looking for a foundation. And I was like, I don't know you. I know my skin. I don't know your skin. And you're 60 and you're 12 and you're 20 and you all want different things. But I was figuring it out with them. So I feel like that was a very big part of my career. When I look back, it's like I learned wow. skin. I learned needs. I learned what they're confused about. I I knew every brand and I played with all the products and I knew formula. So that really helped me. But I was like, oh, but this isn't a career. So I need to get a job. And so I got a job at a, um, like an old folks home. And I was like, oh, you know, I was an assistant manager. You know, I was like, okay, maybe this is what I'm to do. And it was a very big uh, apartment. It was 230 units and it was managing it. And so I was like, maybe this is, and then I was like, I'm bored. I can't do this. And then my friend was like, Hey, we're hiring as a law clerk. You want to come in? I was like, sure. And it was paying more. And I was like, just going to the jobs that just paid more. And I was like, okay, I could do this. I could do this too. transcribe, you know, things like, sure, I'll manage a law office. And it was just so random, the jobs that I was in. And then uh, a, a cousin of mine was like, hey, we're hiring at Disney as a, in procurement finance. Do you want to come? And I was like, Disney, of course, I want to come and work at Disney. And it was paying more than my last job. So I was like, I'll be there. So, you know, I was given a cubicle in a six month probation period. And I was like, I could do this. And I have this personality where give me any task and I will learn to do it to the T. Like I got it. I, you know, I, I think the hardest thing to do is learn, work in a team, mm -hmm. work, how, learn how to work with people. Like any skill I think can be taught. And I, and I knew this at a very young age where I was like, just teach them how to do it. I'll do it. And I didn't understand passion and all of that at the time. I was like, I could do it and I'm going to be the best at it. And I could do it great. And I did it great. And I did it for a few years. And then I was like, I can't sit in this cubicle anymore. Like, it's just, it's, you know, look, there's people that were there for like 20, 30 years. I was like, bravo. I was like, they weren't bored. They were, they loved what they did. And I, and I admire that, you know, if you, you are happy in your job, great. But I, I wasn't, I was like, I'm punching in numbers. And then on my spare time, I'm blogging. And I'm watching YouTube videos. And I was like booking clients on the weekends. Like that's what I was doing. So I did all these other things because I felt the need. I 
felt the need to. I wanted to make more money. I wanted to help my family more. And then I was like still going to school. And then I don't know if you know, I eventually got laid off. Yeah. Can you actually share the conversation you had with your manager before it? Because it's like, I, it paint the picture for us. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I read all these self-help books now, right? Like self-growth and professional growth. And I'm like, I, th- I think back, I'm like, oh my God, I did that. I manifested that layoff because I was miserable at the job. And I became that employee that was like always complaining that you don't want to be around like that negative energy because I was like I'm not happy and you have annual meetings with uh, our VPs and you kind of tell them what you've progressed in what you've done and why you deserve to go to the next level and here I am with my VP who was three levels above me and I was like I'm bored I've done what I've needed to do there's nothing left for me to learn in this position and he was like well what do you want to do I was like I don't know he's like well what's your, the next like what field do you want to be and I was like I think I'm gonna be in marketing like that was my thing and it was like in a completely different department. And he was like, well, within Disney, I was like, I don't know, like Disney or anywhere else. Like I'm just bored at my job and I'm looking for the next thing that fulfills me. And this isn't it. So he was like, okay. And so months go on and get, you know, the minimum raise that everyone else got. And I, and I also realized it didn't matter how well I did in my job. Like, you know, sometimes corporate structures, they always have like a budget and then there's budget cuts and then there's minimums and then maximums. I was like, how much can I grow? So then we had the annual layoffs and I heard that Disney was having a layoff and I called my manager and I had a very good relationship with her and I said, are my stuff in a box? And she was like, what are you saying? Why would you say that? I was like, I just have a feeling I'm going to get laid off. My stuff are not in a box. Like, wow, like I'm surprised, you know? And she's like, why would you say that? Don't say that. Don't say that. So I go into work and, you know, everyone's kind of being weird and I was, we're all like, what's happening? Who's being laid off? And, and I was like, I can't believe I'm not laid off. So then we get a meeting request at 10 o'clock so we all get up and we're going to the meeting I'm going in one direction my team is going in a different direction they're like no it's in 230 I was like no it's in room 320 or whatever they're like no it's in this room and I check my email I'm going into a different room and they're all and we all just had this look we looked at each other I was like oh this is it and I walked into an office and there was my VP and an HR lady with a blue folder. And I just knew it. I knew it. And even though I wanted it subconsciously, I expected it. I was laughing about it in the morning. The second it was clear to me what they were saying, I started bawling my eyes out. I'm crying. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, it's okay. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a feeling that I just got to let go. And so once it was done, I went to my desk, I cried and my employees were like, are you okay? It took maybe like 30, 40 minutes. And I was like, I started laughing. I was like, (laughs) I felt delusional. I felt delusional because I was like, I can't believe this happened, but I can believe it. Like, you know, my boss was like, take your time off for the rest of the day. And I was like, okay, I go home. My mom's like, why are you home? And I was like, and she starts crying because you know my income was a very big part of our household income and I was like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay I was like I got a severance pay it was like $2,500 I was like we're gonna go to Europe me and you we're gonna travel and when I come back we're gonna figure it out and she was like are you crazy I was like no no we're gonna take this money I'm gonna buy tickets we're gonna go to Europe and we're gonna come back we're gonna figure it out so we came back and that was I was like now is the time I pursue my passion and now is what I want a studio and this is gonna and I was already so busy on the weekends okay like I had no life so I was comfortable in a sense and I was actually glad that it didn't happen to someone who was married who had kids who had no other job you know I was like I'm glad it's me I have this side job I don't have 
have kids. I don't have a family yet. You know, yes, of course, I'm supporting my parents, but I had I had another job. Yeah. In a sense, that's what made me kind of be like a little bit more relieved and not traumatized because, you know, I wasn't afraid that now I can't make money anymore. Hey, everyone. It's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. You know, those tough moments where you're laid off or something doesn't go the way you want it, there's always a blessing in there. And it's cool to now look back in your life because there's been so many hiccups, but it all makes sense. And what's interesting, you know, I love your spirit. I mean, you know, having that weight of supporting your family and losing your job, even though you were, what's great is that you you mentioned you were still making money on the side. So you still had that confidence of like, okay, I'm not at zero. I can make something work, but it still takes a lot of balls to be like, let's go to Europe and I'll figure out like two the next step. So I guess my question is, were you scared? Were you nervous? Like you see your mom crying? Or did you just have this knowing that let's take a break when I because I've been working so much when I come back, I know I can pull certain levers to make it work. Like what was your state at that time? You know, I was actually in the back of my mind towards the last few months of or maybe the year of working at um, Disney, I was like, I really want my own place. I really want my own salon. I work in studio and I was teaching part time as well. Seminars I was like those do great. Like, you know, but it was in the back of my mind. No one decides to leave a full-time job and like takes this risk. Well, I don't want to say no one. Like I couldn't, you know, think about that. So when it happened, I had this confidence because I was already doing it. And I always say, like, I don't believe in believe in the star- starving artist thing, although that works out for some people. I can't be home twiddling my thumbs waiting for a client to book me. No, I was doing it on the side. I was hustling morning till night, 12 hour shifts on the weekends and then going to school, doing it all until I was like, now I have two full time jobs because I'm making up for a 40 hour week in a matter of two and a half days. So it was just like that. I already built the platform not a social media platform because that was you know, I already built the platform of clients and loyalty and word of mouth that I was not afraid when this thing went away it was shocking I feel like like you said it's a blessing in disguise and this this burden now was off of me and now I can fully focus on what I already was doing well with uh, I was already making good money on I was already passionate about it and you know if it was anything else I don't think I could work the amount of amount of hours that I did but because I love doing makeup so much I didn't mind working 12 hour days on a Saturday and a Sunday I did not I was like my mom's like take a break I was like no 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 it's okay I love it and when I didn't have a client I was doing makeup and doing photo shoots on myself I got a professional camera and I was like you have one Sunday off but that when I say it in the beginning of the podcast passion because then you're not worried about are you tired you're exhausted it doesn't matter you're okay to wake up and do it all over again so I had 
felt like the backbone of this second career. And I, I, there was a cushion underneath, you know, I didn't fall hard. Yeah. And I love that. I agree with that too, because I think, you know, people see women like you and they're like, gosh, she like left this job and she just started this business and it started working out. It's like, actually, there's so many steps that go back. Like you were saying a year ago, you were thinking about this. You were doing things, hustling on the side. You were building your own experience, making money. And it just makes that transition from corporate to starting your own thing a little bit easier. So I just want to highlight that if there's anyone who's thinking about stuff like do a side hustle, explore, like go try to make one dollar. Like everyone's always like, I want to start a business and make like a million. I was like, make ten dollars. Go make a hundred dollars. I love that you made that point because even though I was making good money on my side job, I did not care about the money, even though I wanted to like everything went to my family. I never felt, oh, I'm working more now. I'm making more money. I never felt that because I just would be like, here's a hundred dollars for myself. Here, mom, do what you need to do. So I never felt that like reward system financially I just like they would leave I would forget that they need to pay my mom would be like call them like, no I'm embarrassed like <laughs> it wasn't for the money that I did it my passion just paved the way for the career and the money was just the outcome of it it was not I was doing it for the money so I think you know when you say like even if it's for that like I never did it for the money initially even though like it worked out for me and I'm glad because at the end of the day no one's giving me a raise no one's giving me a promotion like, I have a life that I want to build I have a future I have kids like you want to do all these great things for yourself, but it wasn't why I started any of it. Yeah. And I think money will only get you so far. And it feels like when we were, I mean, similar to you, like in our corporate careers, I for sure, and it seems like you were, which is why you took Disney was just following the money. I made more, I joke that I made more money in my twenties than I do now. Cause I put every dollar in the business. I'm like, gosh, I was making like <laughs> such great, consistent money, but you know, it's like that will only get you so far. And I think we realized that early in our life, which is why we took this leap. And so, yeah, it's just fascinating. And it's interesting because when you, you know, you go to Europe with your mom, you come back, you start your own studio. It's interesting because I think I believe your mom around this time, she started a salon, but it didn't work out. Right. So I'm sure she still had kind of like hesitations for you. Yeah. So I was in high school when she opened her own salon and she barely knows. English or barely spoke English. I was young. I was in school. I wasn't thinking about helping my mom with her business and her career. So, it, you know, it, she could only do so much. And so the, even though she was a successful hairstylist, um, the salon failed because you really did the overhead, all of that stuff. So she was afraid for me. So when I said, I want to open my own studio, she said, don't do it. I don't want you to like struggle. You're making money. Finally, do you want to really put it back into the business? Like, why don't you just enjoy it? And I was like, yeah, but like, how far am I going to get working out of home? Like, how far is my like name, my value as an artist going to grow if I'm just, you know, in one spot? So my dad was a lot more encouraging in this field. And he was like, look, I know you can do it. Like anything you put your mind to, you do it. I know you can do it. So my dad's a welder and he helped me build the whole place. And then once my dad was in, my mom was like, all right, if we're doing this, we're doing this. And then she was, you know, supportive. But initially she was hesitant and I can't blame her because she would spend more money than she would actually make because to own a business is not, you know, what it seems uh, to most people like, oh, you have this lavish salon. It's beautiful. No, there's a lot of responsibility. There's water and power and rent and, you know, the overhead of just the upkeep. And there's a lot. Yeah. And it's all <laughs> so on you. you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, did I start, you know, was my income now a portion of it going back into the business? But I was okay with that because now I was growing as a professional artist. I was growing as an instructor. I became like the number one school in LA at that time. I mean, had I not done all of that, starting my own brand maybe wouldn't have been the same. 
because I didn't have a name when I was working it from home. I did a little bit. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned this a little bit earlier in the podcast, how you always saw opportunities and you were really early on social media, right? Facebook when Facebook came out and then Instagram. And it feels like that was really instrumental in your business. So I want to get your general perspective around how was your relationship with social media at that time? And how has it shifted, you know, 10 years later in the life that you're living right now? Oh, oh my God, it's shifted completely, as we all know. But I really took advantage of social media when Facebook started. I would just, like I said, I would get a friend, do her makeup, do photo shoots. I would learn to edit the photos myself on like Photoshop and, you know, like just make, and it was like, it wasn't regular makeup that I was doing. I was like putting flowers in their hair and I was putting like all these costumes and I wanted to stand out as an artist versus just like a makeup artist. So it really just separated me from a lot of artists at the time. And, and I really took advantage of social media and I would share and I'd post constantly. And when I started my classes, I was constantly posting it to people like, oh, you teach. So, you know, it started very makeup driven. And then throughout time, you know, I would, you know, trickle in family, right? I got married. I was like, what? getting married and this was like Instagram was still fairly new I would trickle that in and then the more I progressed in my personal life you know I had kids and then I sat another one another one so you know and you naturally just end up sharing your life and people loved that too people love the authenticity of okay you you are this professional makeup artist who has her own makeup line and all of that but you're still a mom you are tackling your daily life so it's it's people and it, and it was like feeding into each other right people are like they respected that and then they would respect the makeup line because they knew how hard I worked on it being a mom you know the business side of it they were like oh my gosh she's a mom of three doing so it really trickled into each other and then at some point I realized on my professional page as a as influencer that I just naturally became because of my skill. The makeup was phasing out of it and all of the interest that was left was just family and my like daily life. And I was okay with that too for a little while, but then it became only about that. And then like, I lost my creativity on my like influencer page. And I was like, okay, all I'm doing is showing what I'm eating and my kids and my daily life. But like when I would do a makeup tutorial, the interest kind of like got lost on that. And I was, but what am I doing this for? Like why? I, I get that, you know, there's a lot of people who are big fans of my kids and I love that and it was sweet and their people are like the most supportive, kindest. But then I was like, but what, what am I getting out of this? Nothing. I'm not getting anything. Like I'm not a reality show. I'm not, but I'm just voluntarily here sharing every part of my life. And then what? Why do people care so much about what I'm eating today or, or, and what, I'm, what my child's wearing? I started to pull back because I found no value in it. Not that I'm not... When I say get something out of it, like fulfillment out of it, I was like, I'm not, I'm not serving. I'm not doing anything for the community by showing what I'm eating or showing what I'm wearing. I'm not doing anything. I'm not, what am I influencing? So that's the time where last year, it's been almost a year I decided to delete my Instagram. And I actually was debating on doing that for a year, like a long time. I would tell my husband like, oh, I can't wait until the day I delete my personal Instagram. It's too much. Like I'm doing it for like, it's too yeah. much. And people are like, oh my God, you deleted a million follower account and I was like it's a number that you guys saw when you logged in but for me I never asked for that it just it happened because of the interest of my skill and it grew and now I have all these responsibilities that I'm supposed to do and share politically and all, everything and I was like that's not why I got here 
you know, and now I have this responsibility that I didn't ask for. And yes, you are entitled to a sense of responsibility and you should share every thought and opinion. But it's like, I didn't want to do that because I'm like, it's too much for me. It's too much for my mental health. You know, yes, there's things that I'm passionate about, but I'm not here to argue every passion project you know i'm not here to do it so i thought okay i'm gonna delete my personal instagram and it might affect my business but it was to a point where i was like my mental health is more important than my finance so i decided to pull the plug and when i did it actually was the opposite effect now all these people who were interested in my craft in all these years came to the business they're like we'll connect with you here let's talk makeup i'm okay with that and the people who are just interested in all the other things in my life like the little fulfillments it was just there if you're not if, if, if it wasn't affecting my business anyway then what am i what am i doing here so it just it grew my business it did the opposite wow I, that's just amazing because you would think it's interesting because i can imagine that being very hard like we have a business instagram and people show up on there you know talk about what you eat and we do like four pieces of content a day and now i have a team that helps which has been amazing but that was me and my co-founder for like a year and a half and that was hard so i can't imagine running a business showing up every single day and i guess to your point and we talk about this a lot on the podcast like if you don't feel fulfilled about content it's the worst thing in the world because it's like you want to kill yourself because it's like I don't want to show up even this podcast like I do it because it's energizing it's a passion but the day I don't feel fulfilled or I feel like I'm not serving then I'll just cut it because it's like why do it I'm doing it on the side similar to you you're like I'm not making money from this I'm just doing this and people are not as interested in your craft which is like what you're passionate about but wow I mean that's incredible to like delete your Instagram that has a million followers. But it's amazing because I would definitely be like as a business owner, I'd be nervous. How would that impact the business? But to kind of see how it only helped support you is really, really fascinating. And do you think that's a function of them now following you on your brand page or you now having the mental health that you wanted to kind of think strategically about the brand and grow it in different ways? Both. It's the people that still want to connect with you that were still interested from the beginning in your craft and then also now i'm able to wash out the noise and focus on what i love to do and what i was meant to do on social media anyway which was teach makeup a skill a craft an art have fun with it feel good about it let's do makeup together like I was able to get more focused on the brand. And for the longest time, I was detached from my brand. I was like, I don't want to be my brand. My brand needs a brand of its own. And then I learned, I was like, no, 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 my brand is me. And so I started showing up more on my business pages. I started connecting more on my, I would never go on and DM people on the business page. Like you said, I had a team who would do that, who still do that every so often. But now instead of taking the time to respond, what's, you know, on my eggs this morning or what type of omelet I'm having now I'm like, Oh, what concealers creasing? Let me tell you how to fix that. You know, and it was that's what I always loved doing. And for some people, that's not an important part of life. And it's still not but it was my outlet. And it's many women's outlet to like, let's talk makeup and have fun and connect and oh my god, you're using this and how could you use that. And so I'm going back to where I started, which is doing makeup and teaching makeup and, and, and I'm fulfilled again. And I wonder how I ever had time for the rest of it. I'm so busy now. So I'm like, how did I make time to share every little aspect of my life? And it was actually 
taken away from my life. My husband would get annoyed when I'd pull out my phone. Nobody touched a food. Hold on, let me take a photo of it. He'd be like, here she goes again. You know, I'm like, now like that nuance even in our relationship is gone. And we're able to connect more with my kids. But I don't have to pull out a camera with every little cute thing they do. I'm like, they're in the moment. I love that. You know, it's interesting as I become busier and I'm still so early in my business, we're like two and a half years in. I actually don't even want to share like if I'm going on a vacation, I don't even do stories anymore just because like I'm so busy and I just want to kind of enjoy because it's like my time to disconnect. I just naturally have seen like, oh, I used to just share like it was like maybe three stories. Like I wasn't I'm not an influencer, but I would share. And now I just oh, I love this photo that what beautiful flowers, whatever. I don't want to like share it just because like I just don't have the capacity. It's interesting how you change. And we don't even have kids yet. But I, I'm sure even with that in place, you're running a business, you're a wife, you're a friend, you're so involved with your family. I could imagine it being a lot. And you know, I want to go back to you mentioned, you, you know, now you're really, really focused on the business. I'm going to go back a little bit, but you ended up launching your own beauty brand, right? And makeup line. I want to talk a little bit about what was the inspiration for that? And I know you went into foundations first, which I know is not the typical path and probably like the hardest product, right? That you can start. So I'd love to maybe hear a high level, like your inspiration for starting a product line. Yeah, I always say my customers and my and my students were my inspiration because every time I would do someone's makeup, their first question would be, what's the best foundation? What's the, and I would, and I had like six in my kit and I was like, well, what type of skin do you have? What type of coverage do you want? You know, it depended whether they were in their sixties or it depended when they were young, you know, young breaking out in their teens. So, and I was like, okay, if you want this and, and it was like the science project to try and I realized they don't know they're using. I remember when I was in high school, we were all using Mac studio fix powder, the same color, all of us, like we were all pale. We all, you know, yeah. and, and we didn't know. And even though it progressed a little bit people are now using foundations from different brands and all of this but you know I, I'm oh I, I use Armani's luminous silk my friend swore by it and I was like but you're really oily. Like, why are you using a luminous product? These things people still don't know. So I realized like talking to them, I was like, oh my God, the number one issue is just foundation. Because you can find a mascara, you'd be like, I love this mascara. You can find a lip color, you'd be like, oh, I love this lip color on me. Can you put it on? But foundation was like the number one thing where I was like, if your skin looks good, put on mascara, put on your lip balm, you're good to go. So the foundation was the foundation to the makeup world for me. It was the most important. Is it going to last on you? I'm doing a bride's makeup 5 a.m. Is it going to last till midnight? Absolutely. You know, I got to create something that lasts, that works for everyone, that's easy to use. It doesn't matter what skin type you have because of the ingredients in there. It's going to be satin finish and I'm going to make it all in one. Why is it so complicated? So it's like simplifying the process of picking a foundation and then that was it. And people are loyal for like, almost 10 years now they won't go anywhere else once they've tried our foundation and so it really just even though it was the hardest thing to create because you have skin types you have preferences you have lasting you know like different application processes and um you have ingredients there were so many factors involved versus is my lipstick gonna last right but it really set me on the map as a brand because social media was new and the only brands that were out there were the very big brands and then there was this makeup artist that's popular who started her own foundation line. And it really just, like I said, set me on the map and separated me. Yeah. And you know, it's so amazing about that. And we talked about this earlier is like how your life kind of flourished with you just 
taking the first next step, right? You took the first next step to do the studio or, or actually starting even before that, you started seeing clients and you started doing weddings and you started opening up your studio, hiring instructors, being like one of the top schools in LA. And by doing things, that's how opportunities kind of happen. And I'm just sharing that because it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning of like, put yourself out there, understand where your interests are. Don't think too much about it. But like, as you dive deep into what you love, you'll see opportunities. And like your customers, like you said, are your biggest champions. And if you really listen to them, which is like, I think the best part about business is like connecting with people and your customers, you see opportunity. So I love that because I think sometimes we can be in our room and think about, all right, what's the next product? And sometimes it's like, get out there and just connect with people and organically things will come. So I love that the foundation came that way. And you now recently launched a skincare brand, right? Last year, very yeah. different from makeup. I know, you know, you mentioned you're the type of person that you tell me what to do. I'll figure it out. Even in your corporate job, that is like the best quality to have in entrepreneurship. But what has been maybe one of the most surprising things that you've learned with skincare or maybe one of the hardest things that you've kind of had to learn as you just recently launched this brand? So it, it was same in a sense where our formulation process is still the same. But now we're in a different decade. When I first started makeup, you're like, okay, I want my foundation to look like this, feel like this. I don't want any toxic ingredients and they're great. But ingredients have also come such a long way. So where do you find the balance between clean ingredients and effective ingredients? And it was like, that was the hardest part for me where it's like, okay, well, I want clean and natural ingredients, but I still want it to work. I don't want them washing their eyes off 40 times. You know, I want them to do it one time. And then you come into sustainability, right? So most of my packaging or where it comes to skin from the beginning, I've always been passionate about glass packaging. So I was like, okay, we're going to stick to glass packaging. And then, you know, they were like, oh, we got to put these inserts inside the packaging to control it from breaking and I was like oh but what about you know sourcing and then I mean sourcing the material and also sustainability they're like listen when you send out your package and it arrives broken you're gonna have to send it again and now you've caused a bigger problem you're spending more money now and now you're creating more waste so you need to use this recyclable filler that people can get so it was like it was very it's a learning process because like like I said we've come such a long way and also there's so much out there that I was like okay I literally stuck to the root of why I created my makeup line where it's like it's got to be simpler than this so even a skincare I was like it's got to be simpler than this and I was amazed by how well our launch did because I did have a fear there was so many skincare brands like KKW literally launched like two months or a month before and I was like god am no I late I'm late <laughs> Not that her clients are my clients. You know, she has a lot, all the clients. So I was like, how do I steer them and make them try Essentials, this brand they've never heard of, you know? So, but my customers are what blew up the brand. So before even people trying the product, the the launch went viral. The launch went viral because people were buying it, taking a screenshot, posting it, and to all their friends, they're like, we trust it, we're buying it, I'm buying the collection. And then the next post, now all the customers start reposting their wow. I was like, this is insane. Because when I first launched it, like Instagram was new. Like it wasn't, I didn't launch into a platform. Now it was like launching into a platform. So I think that was the most amazing part for me. So the, the difficulties of creating the product are still there in different form, but launching the product, I mean, you, you know, you have this marketing plan and first you can post this and then this and then tell your story. 
but none of it matters if people don't give it a chance, right? So I just needed people to give it a chance. And my customers are the most loyal, most amazing customers. And word of mouth from 20 years ago stands still true today. And people are loving the product. And those people are like on their fifth repurchase at this point. And it's crazy. Yeah. So it did well. And I'm very, very grateful for my customers and the clients and the fans and all of that. Yeah. I mean, it just shows the power of brand, right? I mean, you've been doing this for so long and you've created this reputation for yourself of amazing products. People have connected with you. They probably love the customer service, love the way you guys are building this brand. So when you eventually launch something else, it's cool to see how that community follows you because it's always nerve wracking when you're putting something new into the world and you're like, is anybody going to buy it? What are people going to think? So that's really fun. And I, you know, before I started a business, I never really understood the power of word of mouth. You hear it, right? You hear people say like word of mouth, but now now that I'm kind of living in what I'm doing, we're two years in the business and just being out there for two years, I now see the word of mouth multiply, just being out there longer. So I can't imagine like 10 years, if you're really creating great product, the momentum and the brand you're building. So that's really, really awesome. Congratulations. And, you know, I, I know we're coming up on time, but I'm super curious because you know, I look at a woman like you and I'm so inspired as someone who has three young kids, right? And I know you're actively involved and you want to be super involved in the day to day and you're still growing and launching businesses. What advice do you have for women who are, you know, wanting to kind of manage both parts of their lives, whether it's like continue to strive in their career or start businesses as well as have kids and kind of have both worlds and be successful in both worlds? You know, I I, I say it's like, it's an everyday challenge, just like a clown throwing away, you know, I don't know what you call it when you throw up the balls and you're trying to, you're juggling, Juggled, they're, they're yeah. juggling, trying to catch the ball. I feel like that's the process every single day. And I've learned, I would burn myself out. So, you know, once I would put them to sleep, I'm like work mode and I would work till two in the morning. But guess what? My child doesn't sleep well at night. And then, then I'm exhausted in the morning and then I'm exhausted throughout the day. I'm not productive. And I realized, hey, some people like routine. Some people don't. Um, my routine is different every day but there is a routine now. I was like if I could just wake up 15 minutes earlier then I can prep their lunch before I wake them up because then I'm not running around like a crazy woman my husband does help out in the mornings but you know I drop them off to school and I go straight to the gym so they they're at school at 7 45 I'm at the gym at 8 30 I leave 9 15 my day begins I have until two o'clock for the kids to get up to give undivided attention to my business and that is plenty of time a lot of times you know we go to work there's our employees there we're talking about our weekends we're talking about our day let's have a cup of coffee oh my god did you hear this and you realize the day's not productive so i started working from home a lot i love my coworkers. i call them coworkers. they're my family right but even then they get work done i get work done we'll get on facetime if we need to they know what they need to do i know what i need to do and we just go we're a small team but we know what we need to do each day and as long as we check them all off we're good check off the priorities check up the more important things if there's something that's left there's always tomorrow it's okay and a lot of launches have been delayed and a lot of we've missed deadlines like I was supposed to have a Mother's Day launch that didn't make it but we're turning it into like my birthday launch and you'll see the connection eventually when it happens uh, end of June but you know these things happen and I learned to like not stress myself out over it nothing's gonna be perfect nothing's gonna be right you know but I do have undivided attention I make a list every night of everything that I need to do the next day so once I have that list I'm going go, go, go. And I literally can do an entire day's work in like four hours. And once we're done, I pick up my kids. It's them time. That's it. And I come and I live with them and I'm not 
on my phone. And then when I was an influencer, I was like, oh, let me be active. Let me do this. Let me do that. And I would get frustrated because they want my attention and, and I couldn't. And I was like trying to, but now I'm like, okay, this is what's important. I get it done. And then it's kid time. I couldn't do both at the same time. And for a while I tried to, and get frustrated because they want your attention like you said i'm the mom i'm like i want to drop her off to dance i will pick her up you know my mom will be like do you want me to pick her up today i'm like no no no. i'm gonna do it because i want to be there i don't want to be the businesswoman who's not there for their kids and i know some people like they have no choice but if i have a choice i want to be there for them as much as i can you know because this is a very quick time this age uh of theirs they're two four and seven they grow up so quickly at this age you know and i'm like i want to savor these moments so you know it is hard to balance it but I've learned to separate the two try to work when I'm with them and I'm not you know I'm not bringing work into their life and are you working when they go to sleep or is that kind of pause no done the only thing I do is I make a list of the things that I need to do the next day that's the only thing I do now so I don't work anymore because I'm exhausted the next day so now I sleep early I sleep early I'm able to get up early and I'm energized and I'm ready to go and tackle the day versus burning myself out and don't have enough energy to get through the day like you know some Sometimes you have stuff to do and you just don't get to them because you can't get there when you do get enough sleep. And I realized how yes. important sleep was. We started to not sleep for a long time. And I was like, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. I don't have enough sleep. And I realized I'm a different person when I do get sleep. So now I've learned to prioritize rest and sleep and recharge. Exactly. And it's interesting because when you have your own business, like I feel like in corporate life, you're able to kind of push through yeah. even if you don't sleep, like you know exactly what needs to get done and you just kind of do it. At least I'm talking from my perspective. But there's something about running your own business where if you don't feel good and you don't sleep, those little tasks, like what you're saying, they just become so difficult and you truly need your brain. People are asking you questions all the time. Like we're athletes. Like you need to be on your game, whatever that need, you know, you need to sleep, you need to eat well. Like I'm all about this. Clearly I have a wellness company, but it truly makes me a better entrepreneur, a better person. I'm happier, but I love the undivided attention from nine to two because I hear, I feel like a lot of the women I have on the podcast who have kids are like the best thing about having kids when you're running a business, it just allows allows you to be so focused on what matters. Like right now I'm working all the time and I know that I'm probably working on 30% of things that aren't moving the needle, but I'm a crazy person and I'm still involved in this. Like I'm sure if I have kids one day, it's going to be like, all right, what's actually going to move the needle? Who do we need to bring in? And you just become a little bit more focused. So I love to see how you've kind of set up your life and how you're not really doing both at the same time, which is also great advice, right? Like you're focused on the business, no kids around, you know, they're in school, which is great. Or if they're not in school, you get help. If you can't, I know that's a luxury. Um, and then you have, you know, the afternoon with them to be like a full-time mom with them, which I love. To be present because you realize I was listening to a podcast. You're going to buy a kid a toy. She's going to be happy for like an hour, right? And But they're not going to remember that tomorrow or the next day or the next day. But they are going to remember the time you spend with them. So my kids are happiest. Like, mom, are you going to play with us? Are you going to be in, like in the playroom? Mom, we turn our garage into a playroom. I will go and I'll sit with them. And that's when they're happiest, when I'm actually paying attention to them, not just sitting there, but paying attention to them and playing with them. Like that to them is like everything. And I was like, I, nothing's worth more than that. And like you said, yeah, before I had kids, I was like, every minute of my day, I will work. I will work. I won't complain because I have learned to always do a lot. That's just I've always been like jobs and school and all of it. And then I look back, I'm like, how did I do my master's program while I had a side job of 12 hours a day and a full time job at like how but then like, it's all like what you want, if you want to do it, right? It's all about like time blocking and being able to like, okay, 
half hour to study, great. Like I'm going to do it. I don't mind sleeping late and doing my paper or whatever it is. Like I didn't mind the hustle. And I think that was a very big part um, because I feel like you could be passionate about something, but if you're not working to work at it, you're not up for working at it every single day. It's only going to move it, like you said, so much. So you need to really work towards it and not just be like, I'm passionate. And I would always tell my students, like, you're good. You're so good in makeup. But like, you're never active on social. You're like, you're not posting anything. You're like, like, I know, I know, I know. And these people never made a career out of it, but they were so skilled. I was like, if you could only turn it on a little bit and show people and share it. Because like you said, it's hard when it's your own business. You're like, I'm sitting around watching a movie. Like, do I really want to be editing a photo or a video on my phone now? No, I don't. Like, I'm just going to watch my movie. But there's a lot of things I've cut out in my life. I've cut out all the bullshit, like TV. Like, yeah, I treat myself to be, but I, this, this show, is it interesting? is it keeping up and I'm like I'm obsessed yeah but I don't even turn it on for that reason because I'm like I don't have time for that so I don't do it and I cut out all that side all I have time for is my gym my workout my family yeah and it's all and it's interesting because in every life stage it's like what fulfills you shifts and I think you're just doubling down on what makes you happy and that only translates to you being an amazing mom you being a great business leader so I think it's like always great to do inventory of what is bringing you joy right now and I just respect you so much for always asking that question because even you stopping your social media right that was you kind of checking in so like the moral of the story is always check in with, with yourself what is bringing you happiness what's bringing you fulfillment and I think you not being motivated by money because I'm curious to get your thoughts like now your business obviously is much bigger you guys are scaling you have now two businesses under your belt money has never been a driver but what is keeping you going and the momentum that you have like what motivates you every day business wise it's it's the customers it's the feedback like they inspire me so much. I don't know if you saw I did that wellness event uh, a few months ago. And it was crazy. And I realized that majority of the people that follow me or majority of the women are on the same page. They all want self love self care, they're listening to podcasts they're listening to their bodies. Um, they're actually focusing on themselves more versus my mother's age. I mean, God, like I have to convince her to put skincare on mom, go to a massage and I'll buy like a mother's day. I'm like, go treat your like that was a different era. They had a different type of hustle that they needed to do as immigrants. I mean, now we've learned the value of taking care of yourself and putting yourself first because if you're mentally happy if you're physically healthy then you're a happier person and it translates into you every part of your life whether it's your business your relationships so when I plan to do that wellness event I was like are people gonna come to this like because you know it's a skincare line but it, I want it to be more than about yes. skincare the skincare is about putting yourself first taking care of yourself it's not just what it does to your skin oh my god in a matter of like two days we booked like 80% of the tickets and then I was like we need a bigger space and I was like I'm a little afraid so then we ended up moving the space and it was a beautiful event we had a hundred uh customers that had to close it off we had no more space and it was a beautiful day and people were really happy and i was like there's a need for this there's a want for this and so i really just listen to my customers like i've been listening to them for the first days they want more than products they want an experience and i, I want to be able to share that with with all that i've learned and create the space for them so i'm grateful for them very grateful I love it. Well, Lilith, thank you so much for joining. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but this was so fun. Hey, you're awesome. You're such a good like host and oh, you made it easy. Such great questions. So thank you for having me. This was beautiful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.